We're back from Las Vegas. New episode of Pitch Into Contact. How's it going, everyone? My name is Rich Burfer, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Pete Horner. Uh, we're still recovering a little bit from Las Vegas. It was a wild time. I uh, don't really remember what happened on the last night, but things are going a lot better now uh, since our last episode. Uh, Pete, how are you doing? How are you feeling? You know, man, I'm going to be honest. I'm pretty good right now, but like, you know how when you wake up in the morning and you're kind of hungover for something or like it's a Monday morning and you just kind of go, uh, you know, something like that, like, like that noise, it, mm-hmm. it's just like a feeling eternally. Um, that's kind of like how I've been these last couple of days recovering from Vegas. Like I wake up, the sun hits me in the face. And I'm just like, uh, God, like, I don't know about you, Richard, but like my, um, my sleep schedule's all screwed up right now. Like, how about you? Are how's your sleep schedule going, dude? What's a sleep schedule? Okay, so a sleep schedule is like your body. I don't know, like, if you know this, but your body sleeps in patterns. Like, dude, I don't have, I don't, I don't have a sleep schedule. Like one night I sleep until like I go to sleep at like four in the morning. Uh, the next day I fall asleep at like midnight. Um, then I just sleep. I don't sleep at all. So, oh, because yeah. you're a grad student, I forgot you don't get sleep. grad student life. My proposal's on Friday, and I'm freaking out. Um, you know. Wait, wait, wait. Your proposal's on Friday? Yeah, man. 9 a.m. Best dude. Best of luck to you on that one. I how did? Are you like excited to get like gutted alive like a fish? Um, not really. And you know what made what just made things even scarier? So, um, 9 a.m. is a proposal. So I got to wake up at right around 7:30 this morning at 9 a.m. I was supposed to be at the gym, and uh-huh. Um, I put my I uh, put an, um, an alarm on my on my cell phone, um, plugged it in so it's charging overnight. And while I was sleeping, I guess I knocked my phone over and it just got unplugged. And your phone and, died. And it died. So I wake up at eight fifty nine, and you know Kevin. Um, Kevin's like waiting for me to be at the gym. He like drives all the way here to grab me. And I wake up. It's eight fifty nine. I'm like, holy shit! This is like the week of my proposal. Like I, this cannot be happening. Oh yeah, fifty nine. So now like that kind of um, added to like the stress. So I'm gonna just set like five different alarms on five different devices uh, on Friday. That's kind that of what like plan is. But the more important thing to that story, though, Richard, is did you get a good lift in? Oh yeah, today was ch- uh, today was chest day and everything was great. And I was really, really happy about it. And then I, I came home and my roommate's girlfriend um, just made us a massive breakfast. So today was all about gains, dude. All right. That's awesome, man. Because like yesterday was chest day for me. And like today I've been really feeling it. Like uh-huh. I, just, I just got back from doing my throwing program today. And right. like really like just I can feel it in my chest, uh-huh. and my rotator cuffs and just up in my just oh, even my biceps. I'm just like, oh, dude. Like my body's just screaming at me right now. So you, no. you sound like a dude who just lifts religiously right now. Oh yeah, no, I'm not lifting religiously for big gains. Unlike you, Richard, I am a, I am the body size of a what? What's what's an appropriate thing to say? My body structure is like a twig. Uh huh. But in general, I lift for toning and that kind of stuff. Right. And I'm trying to get stronger this off season because mm-hmm. I throw a lot of BP over the summer and I hit a lot of fungos and all that kind of stuff. And to me, like. You got to be in shape to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I try to get in the best shape that. possible for all that fun I love stuff. That. You're trying to be the most fifth fungo guy in all of college baseball. I love that. I'm trying to throw the best round of BP in college baseball. Dude, that's, that's definitely that's so, awesome. Like, so I'm training. I'm trying to. 
See, I'm trying to not fit through doorways. That's my goal. Oh, you're tr- you're trying to look like Caleb Watkins. Is what you're trying to do? That's the, that's essentially the goal. But I mean, I th- I feel like I already surpassed them. Ah, but okay. that's that's a story for another day. All right. By the way, um, just just for our viewers at home, I know last time we were talking before we got to the winter meetings, we had Caleb Watkins on as a guest. And they and Richard and him were just kind of shit talking each other back and forth. Yeah, I can lift more plates than you, and that kind of stuff. Or I'm bigger than you. Well, I'm here to give you guys results. Um, we, we never lifted. Here, yeah, here's how much lifting happened between these two at the winter. We, we didn't lift at all. None. We just Absolutely. drank a lot. We drank a lot and gambled a lot. There That's was- basically what y'all did. And then yeah. also on top of that, um, you know, gonna be honest with you, both of these guys. I mean. They're they're bigger, but they if you if you the way they talk, they talk as if they have these big gains. They're yeah. not. They they're not. They're not much yeah. thicker than I am. Yeah, we're not. Twig. We're so, not really physically imposing, but we just have like that, uh, you know, the big dick energy just radiating. Oh yeah, no, you have you have a big time big dick energy just radiating. Yeah. Man. it's like a Carlos Gomez kind yeah. of. Oh my god! But before we go off on that tangent, uh, lots to discuss today. Uh, Michael Brantley has just signed with the Houston Astros. We'll talk some MLB, and after that, we're going to talk some JUCO baseball. And later on, we're going to have Noah Sharp on. He's the head editor of the JUCO baseball blog, and he's also going to be our very own JUCO scouting director. So he's going to be joining us a little later. Uh, we'll catch up with everything going on in his life. But because they're going to be talking about Michael Brantley. You're an Indians fan. Give us your thoughts. Well, first off, I just want to congratulate both the Houston Astros and Michael Brantley and his camp for coming together on a deal. I think that's actually a really good deal for both sides. Um, The Astros, from their perspective, they're getting one of the best left-handed hitting outfielders in baseball, um, without a doubt, for honestly a really good value, $16 million per year and only two years locked down for, like, that's a really great contract for the Astros. And then just in general for Michael Brantley, he's going to a situation where he knows that they're contending for a World Series right now. He's not necessarily a big building block in that. He's a complementary piece in what already the building block there. And that's just going to be a really great situation for him. Um, like in general, like I'm actually looking forward to as much as it hurts me not to see him in a Cleveland Indians uniform. I'm actually looking forward to seeing him in an Astros uniform because I know that fits going to be really, really well. But one thing I wanted to say though was that this was one of the biggest bargain deals of the off season. Michael Brantley statistically is worth like twenty five million dollars, and you're only going to get him for sixteen. That's amazing. That's that's awesome. What do you How think about this deal? How old is he? He's thirty two. So I guess with just the injury history and the age, that kind of prohibited him from um, getting more money and more term. And I'm guessing just because Astros and they're ready to compete right now, and you you just have that. um, When you come to a team like the Astros, you can compete right away. And I feel like that kind of sells itself, especially for a guy who's now 32, doesn't have a ring. Time to win now. You know what I mean? Exactly. And honestly, I mean, if last year wasn't a statement at all against the Indians and the ALDS, I mean, if you can't beat them, join them. I know it's kind of a Kevin Durant thing, but if you can't beat them, join them. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I just love what the Astros are doing. If you look at what happened to them last season, all of the injuries that they faced, uh, Keiko wasn't that good for a period of time. Lance McCullers Jr., uh, Torres UCL. Um, there are some questions in the bullpen, and yet somehow this team still managed to win a, a hundred games. 
Like, do you? Uh, do you comprehend how difficult it is to win 100 games in professional baseball? And this team won 100 games, went into Cleveland, slapped them. And yeah, they a lot of um, a lot of people talk about the Boston series and how Boston uh, played really, really well. And not many people just look at the you know, the Houston Astros season as a whole. But like Altuve was hurt, Correa didn't have that great of a season. Springer was hurt. Um, everyone was injured. It's honestly kind of remarkable how Houston was able to just get everything together and somehow win 100 games. And I mean, Alex Bregman has kind of come alive. He's looks like one of the best players in all of baseball. And I'm just looking at their outfield right now with Springer, um, now with Brantley. Um, I mean, Tucker might be getting a call up sometime soon. Like this team is legit. I think Reddick is a free agent. Um, so I don't know if he's going to be coming back. I'm assuming he won't be anymore. Um, dude, this is a legit team. Like they're going to compete again and they're going to be really, really good. And they're already like f- so far ahead of every other MLB team. Oh no, they're on their own Island in terms of analytical yeah. and player development. Like yeah. they are like, they are bar none the best, like most pro- definitely the most progressive team in baseball mm-hmm. by far. For sure. Yeah. And it's kind of incredible how ba- you hear this a lot. Baseball is just like 30 years behind um, but the Astros, like pretend it's 2018 right now. All of baseball's 30 years, 30 years behind. The Astros are five years ahead. So they're kind of, there's like a 35 year gap between the Astros and every single team in professional baseball. And that's what teams are competing against right now. Like you look at every, every single team, they're trying to get onto the Astros level. They're trying to figure out what they do on the player development side, what they're trying to do with like 3d motion capture and, and uh, uh, performance optimization and all of that Didn't stuff we stayed at the winter meetings enough. Like how many teams that like all of us personally yeah. talk to, and we don't need to disclose those kind of details, but yeah. when, you know, talking to teams like, and then them asking us about certain things and saying, Hey, we need to catch up here, yeah. here and here. And just realizing how much mm-hmm. essentially two thirds of baseball is behind of everyone else. Like yeah. you have this group and I can openly say this because everybody who knows baseball pretty well knows this. Mm-hmm. Like you have the group that's the Astros, the Indians, the Padres, the athletics and the Tampa Bay Rays, and maybe a little bit of the Boston Red Sox. And those teams are mm-hmm. bar none on this yeah. whole different level analytically mm-hmm. and player development wise and essentially the rest of the league. Yeah. And like, like you said, essentially just looking at teams like Houston, uh, the Dodgers as well, the Rays, they're all starting to, to really just jump ahead of the curve and teams are really trying to catch up. Like they're desperately trying to catch up. They're trying to see what the Houston Astros are doing and just trying to just pick, pick some ideas of, of what Houston's doing and really just try to get back into it. It's, um, it's part of the reason why I'm so excited about the Baltimore Orioles front office, because they just got one of the top uh, Houston's, uh, one of Houston's top executives to be their president of baseball operations. Yeah. And they're going to get, they're going to guide, he's going to guide, he's going to guide Baltimore in the direction kind of like what they did with the Astros. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's going to be really exciting mm-hmm. in a few years, especially for Baltimore, but all these other teams, yeah, yeah. They're, they're way behind. They have to play catch up. Yeah. Yeah. That's essentially what happens when somebody finds something cool. Other teams try to play copycat and try to poach these guys. So, I mean, Baltimore, probably they're one of the biggest off season acquisitions was Mike Elias mm-hmm. change the just change a lot of things in Baltimore and make them relevant again. The Atlanta Braves, like I love what Alex Antopoulos does, um, but they they poached Mike Fast from the Houston Astros. 
and he's over with the Atlanta Braves now. So just as you can see, when the when teams do something when teams do something well, like people in their system are going to start getting pushed. Like look at what Tampa like Tampa Bay trolled the entire MLB this past season. So look at their bench. Like I think two or three of their coaches are now managers elsewhere, right? Yep. Charlie um, Montoyo and Rocco Baldelli are now both managers, both in the AL also. But, and then like even on top of that, taking your point a little bit further, Rich, like if you look at the Cleveland Indians, people poach like front offices poach like Cleveland Indians executives all the time. Cleveland and the Cleveland Indians are known for being like basically the farm system for upcoming executives. Like like look at the widespread amount of executives that have been rooted from the Cleveland Indians. Like they this kind of stuff happens when you're in a progressive organization and they want to know your secrets. For sure. You know and I mean I mean look at the Blue Jays like half of our front office is from the from the Cleveland Indians. And I have no <laughs> and I mean I have no problem with that. I want the smart people to just get more opportunities in baseball. Those are the the guys that are just going to push this game forward and be innovative and help te- more teams win and help more more teams compete. Um, but what what else is happening in the MLB before we jump over into JUCO baseball? What else is happening? Well, um, did the well, Blue Jays do anything yet? Um, I don't believe so. Have they? I mean, I feel like you'd be the person that let me know on that front, but I haven't seen anything from the Blue Jays front. Honestly, right now it's been kind of a stalemate because we still have the Machados and the Harpers of the world who are Mm -hmm. taking their sweet old times trying to get paid. Yeah. yeah. And I I feel like it's just going to, it's going to be a little quiet now until those dominoes fall and that will just lead to everything else. Will those dominoes fall before Christmas day though? Um, personally, I don't think so. I don't think like I have no idea, but I'm just gonna guess and say no. Mm-hmm. But who knows? Right. I think it's gonna be like early January or halfway through January when this gets when this is all settled down and done. Like we're gonna hear a lot of BS for a very very long time. Yeah. Who do you think so. signs first? I think I think Machado will. Yeah, that's, that's what I think. And Machado's um, already started his. I mean, it's he's, not, he's got meetings yeah, set up. Well, well, and that's a, what we know of. At the end of the day, yeah. Scott Boris is pretty secretive. So, I mean, like, I, we've heard that Bryce Harper was meeting with teams down in the winter meetings. So, it's not like he hasn't had preliminary meetings. But, like, Manny Machado's flying to places and he's mm-hmm. having dinner with people. And unless unless Bryce Harper's doing the same thing and they're just keeping it extremely private, yeah. like, um, my not to my knowledge, I feel like Manny Machado will reason, reasonably sign first. By the way, not to pivot – all the way back to something you touched on earlier, but I just have it on my mention it to you. Josh Reddick has one more year with the Astros where he's getting paid $13 million. Dude, that's really good. So no, they got, they have a pretty stacked outfield. Dude, that team is just stacked all like all over. Like look at that infield, like Correa, Bregman, Guriel, Altuve. Then when you go into the outfield, Springer, now Brantley, now Reddick, Tucker's there. I, like I'm not super high on Tucker, but like that's a legitimate. Sure. He's still a solid prospect. He's yeah, still prospect. yeah. I, and I think, dude, I think Whitley is going to be special. Oh no, Forrest like, Whitley's going to be. Didn't he hit like 103 on a pull down the other day or something? I have, like? I have no idea, but dude, that guy's nasty. Dude, no, he's he's got some wicked stuff, man. Um, you think, you think he's going to play a big role with Houston this upcoming season? Upcoming I'm a, season? Well, didn't he finish off in a? Correct. Yeah, I think it was double A. Was it double A? Um, but like, I think definitely. I think he's. I, I think right now, at least looking at him, I was actually looking at some of his film yesterday. Mm. But um, 
I think in general his stuff is already there. The stuff is oh, yeah. there to be a major league yeah, stuff a solid contributor. It's just a matter of you can never have enough pitching, and I know the Astros are definitely going to have way more than enough pitching. It's just where do you find a role for them? Um, yeah, we can see that happen throughout the year. Yeah, and now obviously Charlie Morton's gone. Um, Lance McCullers is going to be gone for the entire season uh, with Tommy John, but Verlander's still there. Um, Garrett Cole is still still there. That's a nasty one-two punch. Uh, Keiko is still available on the free agent market. I'm not really sure what Houston's plans are in terms of Keiko, if they want to bring him back or not. I think they're just waiting to see what the market is. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, they they probably have the money to do something. Like, they just signed a guy like Brantley. That's the, that was a bargain. So, I, was I mean. Say $16 million a year for a hitter like Brantley. Yes, he's 32. And, yes, yeah. the injury concerns. But, and, like, in general, that is a bargain of a deal, yeah. right? And wait, who was that kid that he, he was a prospect last year? Uh, James or something? He threw like 100. Um, he looked really solid last year. Uh, what's his name? Um, oh, I know who you're talking about too. I know his last name. I, oh, sheesh. Let, let's Google this. Yeah, we're going to Google that real quick, Richard. Yeah. Uh, uh, talk something to keep people entertained. Keep people entertained. Yeah. All right, guys. We're losing well, listeners right I now. Think- well, I figured while Richard's talking, this would actually be a good time to kind of talk about what I'm doing this summer. Um, in general, I, as Richard and I have kind of noted, I coach collegiate summer ball over the summer. So these last few weeks has been really kind of interesting for me trying to go through interview with teams and just try to figure out the best situation for me. Well, I'm happy to announce that I've actually officially signed my contract with the Macon Bacon. First off, what best is name ever. Name? Josh summer, James, by the way. Josh James. But yeah, I will be going to be a pitching coach over with the Macon Bacon of the Coastal Plains League. So if you guys are in Macon, Georgia at any point in time, you're looking to watch some baseball, come swing by. I'll come say hi to you. There we go. Catch the stud. Dude, I'm just looking through uh, Houston's uh, just options coming out of the pen. Uh Uh-huh. It's really good. Like, I, um, I mean, say what you want about Roberto Osuna. He's not the greatest human being, but like that guy's lights out. Um, that's still filthy. Um, Hector Rondon, uh, uh, Peacock, McHugh, uh, Will Harris, Davinsky. Like, these are all legit arms. I don't know what their contract status is like. Um, I haven't looked, but I mean, I'm sure some of them are locked up, and you have no like that farm system is really good. The scary thing about Houston is that yes, their, their uh, main roster looks really, really good, but their farm systems, their even farm better. system is stacked. It's not even better because I mean, Altuve, Correa. Yeah, Verlin, I, know, I, know, I get you. What really I'm saying is it's stacked. Dude. It's kind of like the Dodgers. They just have this never ending stream of good. Yeah. Prospects. They're, they're just so good at baseball and everything they do. They're so good at baseball. I love yeah. that quote. But speaking of someone who's really good at baseball, um, let's jump over into um, Juco baseball and Carter Stewart. He's at, um, let me see, Eastern Florida state Juco uh, drafted in the top inside of t- uh, the top 10 uh, by the Atlanta Braves. I believe they're med- eight by the Atlanta Braves last year. And if I'm correct, and they couldn't come to terms on an agreement for a deal. I think there were some medical issues there. Yeah, I, I think there was some, there was, there was some medical issues on it, and then they just couldn't come to like an actual monetary value term to like for his signing bonus. So mm-hmm. that's kind of what happened there. But he was taken yeah. eighth overall, if I'm correct, by the yeah. Atlanta Braves. Yeah, and then he decommitted from Mississippi State and committed to Eastern Florida State, and that's where he's going to be pitching this upcoming uh, JUCO season. And mm-hmm. again, probably going to be another top ten pick. 
Uh, well, just, unless you fall off drastically, if you already were a top 10 pick the year before, it's pretty hard not to be a top 10 pick the yeah. year after that. Yeah. Especially when you're exactly. only getting better. When last year he was hitting, like last year, like I was watching him in the perfect game last year and he's hitting like 91, 93. And now I'm hearing rumblings in the Twitterverse that he's like hitting 96, 97. And just with his body that I know still has a lot of room to grow, that's extremely scary. Like this guy could easily be hitting a hundred with that arm side run and that wicked curveball, and that's gonna be unbelievable. It's part of what makes me love pitching so much. <laughs> like that is just wicked. That's unreal. Like you saw Richard, you saw this kid. This kid literally couldn't even fit in his baseball pants. That's how skinny he was. It looked like he was wearing joggers from the eighties. Like mm-hmm. And yeah, and I think he's actually starting to develop a changeup. I don't know how good it is just yet, but just that that fastball with that curveball is just filthy. Like just you don't see those. Like, no, no, that's just you don't, see that don't see. Yeah, yeah, you don't see that kind of curve. It's just so advanced for that age. Like his spin rate. I think um during the perfect game telecast, uh, they said that he has a higher spin rate than anybody in professional in professional baseball, which is nuts. Like, do you know how disgusting that is? A 16-year-old has more spin rate on a curveball than, like, Corey Kluber. Uh, n- not Corey Kluber. Uh, Trevor Bauer. Like, guys like that. Like, how? Do you think, doesn't make do you sense. Think, uh, yeah. Hey, do you think, uh, how, what was my, do you think Kyle Bodie is, like, salivating at the mouth of that comment? Uh, the, the I mentioned Trevor Bauer or spin oh, rate. No, 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 the fact that his spin rate is higher than oh. Trevor Bauer. Like, can you imagine his DMs from Kyle Bodie? Hey, you should come to driveline. Hey, you should throw a weighted ball. Hey, yeah. you should come to driveline. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, but like, he was my favorite. He was my favorite arm in last year's draft. Like, oh, I, yeah. Like, and that was a very um, high school arm heavy draft, especially at the top with like Ethan Hankins, uh, Krumer Rocker, who's over at Bandy. Uh, Ethan Hankins is obviously over with you guys with the Indians. I was going to say, I have a little bias towards Ethan Hankins, but that's oh, just I know me. You do. I know. I, and honestly, I got a little hanky panky over here, but that's just and, me. Um, and honestly, Ethan Hankins is legit, man. Like, I know, he's, I a legit, he's, got a legit, he's a legit arm, man. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm kind of quite. Uh, I don't know about his secondary stuff just yet because but the fastball is going to just skyrocket him through through uh, the major league uh, from the through the minor league. Obviously oh, no, it's going to play it, it can play that's for sure. Um yeah. but no Obviously, like double his development system to help develop that off speed yeah. a lot better though. Yeah. 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 Like obviously in, in double A, like hopefully he has some sort of curveball that's going to be able to work, uh, maybe a changeup. But I mean with that fastball, I mean he's good until then, you know. Exactly. And in the process, you can help him develop. But I, I think we both agree on Carter Stewart and that he's an exceptional pitching talent. But another pitcher that I kind of want to touch on is Jackson Rutledge. And oh, this some, guy. And I watched some video of him. Um, I know you did too. Uh, he was an Arkansas kid. Um, I think there were some uh, – I talked to a few scouts. One scout told me there were some character issues. Another scout told me he just had horrible command. So um, – his uh, head coaches said, no, we're not going to uh, have you pitch anymore. So um, after that season ended, uh, Brettlich was like, okay, whatever. I'm just going to take my 97-mile-per-hour fastball and just go somewhere else. And now he's at San Jack, one of the biggest JUCOs down south, uh, constantly competing in the Junior College World Series. This is one of the best teams, and this guy's legit. What do you think of this guy? Well, first off, when I – 
took a look at this film. When anybody talks to me about a player, the first thing I do is look at their film because to me, film doesn't lie. Mm. Um, in general, like I'm just watching him and I'm watching his arm action. First off, if we're comparing him to someone like Carter Stewart, it's a lot shorter. Yep. He's got a lot bigger of a frame and he's filled out a lot more, which are things that are also completely exciting to me. Um, in general, though, like the this this guy throws an extremely heavy ball. It might be 97 miles an hour, but it is a brick of a 97 mile an hour ball. Mm-hmm. That ball is just heavy. He's got he's got some pretty good off speed. I think it could develop a little bit better. But in general, like this guy is going to be able to play for sure. Mm-hmm. I think there's no reason why if he goes and performs where he's performing at, there's no reason why this guy isn't a late first round, early second round pick next year. I know he's committed to the University of Kentucky, and I know they just got that brand new baseball facility that's really exciting. Sexy. Dude. Yeah, it's really sexy. sexy. But at the same time, there ain't no there ain't a way there ain't a snowball's chance in hell that this guy is making it onto campus. Um yeah, I think honestly with his experiences in Arkansas, big um D one school, I think he's done with D one for now. And unless like something goes wrong in negotiations I think you're going to see him on an MLB team. And it's funny how you mentioned his arm action um, being different from Carter Stewart. Um, obviously, a lot of guys with longer arm action often struggle with command. Um, but it seems like Carter Stewart's the guy with really good command for a guy with long arm action compared to Jackson Rutledge, who has shorter arm action. And apparently there were rumblings that um, he hasn't had the best command over in Arkansas. And just like looking through his stats, it seems like he had a little, a little bit of some walk issues but hopefully that's all cleared up because I, I really like what the kid has. Um, I know. So, you want to actually hear a little nugget real quick, Richard? Sure. Hit me with it. Let, let's go into pitching nuggets with Pete. Um, I, I like that title. That's great. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of a nice little folklore that um, like your arm action has a lot to do with your command. That's actually not that true um, because kind of, like, kind of like in hitting, you know how like Kevin Euclid has this like insane stance before he gets you know to that one position. In yep. general, the same it's the same thing with pitching. It doesn't matter how necessarily how long your arm action is or how short it is. It's about where you get to that position that you create that force vector where you are behind the baseball and you can command it. Um, if you look at the film of Carter Stewart, for example, yes, his um arm action's a lot longer, but when he gets the foot strike and when he gets over his front side firmly enough. He's creating a force vector where I wish I had kind of like a video in front of me to show it to you, but he creates this force vector that he is behind the baseball and he can stay on top of it and command it as Jackson Rutledge doesn't really necessarily do that that well, even with a shorter arm action. Mm -hmm. I wish I had film to show you guys it, but that's actually the truth. It's not necessarily the arm action that creates command. It's a lot more about the force vector you create once you get over your front side. You just blew my mind. A, a, a golden nugget from Pete Horner, uh, pitching coach of Macon Bacon. And, oh, yeah. And I'm just watching uh, Jackson Rutledge pitch. Uh, the first comp that just, just came into my mind right away was Nate Pearson. Obviously, Rutledge doesn't really throw 100 and a million miles per hour. Um, but just just the actions on the mound, he works quickly. There's not a lot of movement to it. Um, the arm angle, um, the sh- a bit of a shorter stride. Like oh, no, I, there's a lot of similarities to Nate yeah. Pearson. I completely yeah. agree with you there. Yeah, um, I believe Nate Pearson has more of like a slider, um, and it seems like Rutledge has just like, like your usual eleven five curveball. But I just love how everything is down in the zone. Like it's yeah, gonna absolutely be so tough to hit. Um, 
like I'm, I was watching some of his video and it seems like he gets a lot of um, balls on the ground. Um, I don't know. I haven't seen enough to see if he has this like insane strikeout stuff. Like I, I, I hope he can induce a lot more uh, swing and miss, but like there's just a lot of depth on his pitches, especially his curveball. Like that, that pitch drops. Oh yeah. No. And like, even if he's not necessarily producing swing and misses right now, once you get him in the proper development program in terms of like pitch development and that kind of stuff. And I'm not talking about like development, like get bigger muscles. I'm talking about like pitch design, you know, rap soto fun stuff. Once you get him in more of that kind of setting and you get him in a place where he can properly pitch design, that swing and miss stuff is already there. It's, it'll start showing a lot more. Right. And let's see, we have about five more minutes before we get Noah on board for a little bit. Juco baseball. Um, I, I was with PBR, uh, helped a lot of kids out with um, when they start, start talking to schools. And oftentimes you just talk to these kids and you're like, hey, do you consider Juco baseball an option? And a lot of them are like, nah, 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 D1, D1, or I'm just going to stay here at home. So what do you think is the turnoff with Juco baseball? Because I think Juco baseball is a very good option for kids who just want to play more, who want to get better, who want to develop, who want to, I mean, if you're that good, maybe even get drafted earlier or just commit to a four-year program after your two years. What do you think? Well, I think that actually comes down to a lot of reasons. Um, First off, I wanted to make it known that, especially like here at Bowling Green State University and a lot of lower D1 schools, especially D2, D3, and maybe some NAIAs as well, we value junior college baseball so much because for us, that's where we can get a lot of our experienced talent. It's kind of like when when you're like a major league team and you're drafting guys and you say, okay, well, do you want to draft this guy out of high school or do you want to draft the guy who's got four years of college experience? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like it kind of, you kind of have a little barrier between those kind of guys and like between raw talent and playing experience. And in general, yeah. like it, that's where we kind of draw that barrier too. Um, but in general, like junior college baseball is extremely valuable. And to me, the real reason why, people don't like it so much comes down to two things one it's completely under publicized um if if you go anywhere for junior college unless it's one of the big time junior colleges of the world like there's i mean there's just a lot of nobody really knows that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. um like for example we actually have a really good junior college up here for baseball um try see cuyahoga community college it's actually a really really good program up here yep Um, but in general, not a lot of people necessarily know about it because it's not necessarily that publicized. But there's talent there. Like we just played them in a scrimmage this fall, and like there's at least four or five guys on that team that could easily come in and start for us. Yeah. Like they had some arms, they had some dudes. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. The, but then also on top of that, what also makes it also just kind of not necessarily that appealing is when you're a young kid and you're 17 years old and you're making one of the biggest decisions of your life. And that's a whole nother debate for a whole nother day that you're 17 and making one of the biggest decisions of your life. Um, in general, like you want to go with the flashy option. You don't typically want to go with the more logical option. Yeah. You might be thinking in general, yeah, I want to go get drafted. Right. But a lot of people, like we talked about on our podcast with Peyton, in general, people do this thing where they think that D1 baseball, for example, is what's going to get them drafted rather than necessarily going to the right development program. Right. So in general, like 
would you rather go to this D1 college? I mean, would you rather go to this D1 college where they're giving you a lot of money? Your program's there. It's really flashy. You get to post this big thing on Instagram about how you get to go play for this D1 school and you get to go sit in this beautiful clubhouse. Mm -hmm. Or would you rather go play at a place where the baseball field looks like a rec center field and you have to buy your own baseball pants Mm -hmm. that aren't even in the same team unison color as everybody else and you travel in a van? But yeah, you're essentially going from a really nice place to the middle of but fuck nowhere. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's that's like not even including the D1 schools that are also in the middle of but fuck nowhere. But and, like in ge- in general like but people don't take in value the development process that goes behind all that. They just think, well, you're a D1 coach and you go to D and, and you're a D1 guy, you you should be able to get me drafted, right? When that's the farthest thing from the truth ever because there's I could go on 30 minutes about that but there's a whole big flaw with that but in general like people kind of read the label rather than reading into the actual context of it that's the real reason why people don't actually go into juco's which Mm -hmm. i think is sad because like i like i said there's some very valuable juco's out there yeah and i mean look at all the players the mlb players who have gone to juco's Oh no, it's a pipeline. That's for sure. But those are also the big time JUCO places. That's yeah. Those are yeah. No, no, for sure. I completely agree. And I, I feel like, I mean, this is probably a really great time to get Noah on on board for the podcast. But you know what? Let's let's end it right here and let's get Noah on board because I think this is something that he'd really like to touch on. Oh yeah, absolutely. Let's do it, man. So Pete and I can talk about Juco baseball for a really, really long time, as you can tell. But this is probably a really good time to um, get our guests um, involved in our talk on Noah Sharp. Uh, he is going to be helping us on the Juco baseball side. He is also the head editor of the Juco baseball blog. Noah, how's it going, man? It's going, man. How are you? I'm doing, dude. I'm doing awesome. We have we have a really awesome pod going. We just talked about a lot of different stuff: JUCO baseball, some MLB stuff. Uh, it was really good. So you, I believe, right now you're living in California, but you're from Texas. So where did this whole love for JUCO really start for you? So I guess it kind of started back in high school. I was originally, you know, as everybody was supposed to go play baseball. Some being a dumb 18 year old had an injury right before my senior year and missed my entire uh, senior season of baseball and kind of decided that it wasn't for me anymore. And then uh, ended up going to a school out in West Texas just because the trainer that I knew knew the trainer there and they had some scholarship money stuff for to be an athletic trainer of all things. And little did I know that I was going to Howard, who is a pretty big powerhouse, I guess, in the world when it comes to baseball i mean they have the record for i think it's the most the highest winning percentage ever they went like 63 and one a few years back and like i had no idea going in that that was the school i was going to and then ended up being lucky enough to work with the baseball team me being the baseball fan that i was and then worked with them for three years and learned it and grew it and lived that lifestyle and then went on to, I mean, a university down the road, didn't really work with their baseball team much. But then once I got married, moved to Oklahoma and I just was bored. And the funny thing is. Yeah, that's, how, is that's usually how marriage works, right? You just get bored. So you have to do Juco baseball <laughs> stuff. 
<laughs> I mean, that, that was the, the reason it got it. But I mean, it was kind of a mix of we were, we didn't really have any friends. And I had a lot of free time because I was a teacher and a coach at the school okay. or where we were doing it or where we were at. And I saw Barstool Sports and was like, hmm, if they, if they can do this, I can do it. Like, you know, it's not That's that true. hard. I figured out how to create a website and then just started blogging, whatever. And then it turned into junior college baseball just by accident, really. It wasn't like I went in thinking, oh, this is what I want to do with it. It was just something that I fell upon and then was like, hmm, I do know this. And then just kind of it built a weird cult following. I don't think is the correct word. It's definitely not. But it's a it built the following because it's the most um, under publicized, under looked at baseball level there is mm-hmm. right like d3 d all that they all get a lot of publicity when you get down to the junior college side it's like there wasn't that much out there unless you really dug and so i was like i might as well do it if no one else is going to do it i mean i'm no expert but we'll see and that's kind of turned into what it's become and led me to come on board with the off so yeah that's i guess that was a yeah. little longer than you probably thought but that sums it up i guess yeah, no, that's that's solid. And yeah, I actually was, uh, we touched on this when talking with Pete about JUCOs and every high school kid really wants to go to that sexy school, like the Kentuckys, the Arkansas, the Vanderbilts. Nobody really wants to go to Northwest East Florida, uh, fuck nowhere college, you know? So um, what what would you say is just an advantage um, before we get into your podcast and what you're going to be doing for, um, for the Collegiate Baseball Scouting Network? Um, what do you, what would you think is an advantage? So if I'm a high school student and I really want to play a lot and I really want to develop my game, um, is Juco a, a good option for me? Um, you can look at it at really, I guess there's two different, not just two, but there's a lot of different ways you can look at it. You can look at it as, I mean, I would have been a perfect person to go the junior college route where, you know, I would, I graduated at five, 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 six, and then grew six inches. Like I would have registered it. I knew that, but that would have been if I needed to grow. And then if you're like, okay, I'm good enough to go up, go to Vanderbilt or go to Kentucky or go to Houston or whatever, as a freshman, the chances you're going to start there or play there or get any playing time, not that high. You go to a junior college where usually your people are only there for a year or two, like you're going to get there and you're going to immediately get the at-bats, the experience, the playing collegiate baseball versus, okay, I'm here at, at Kentucky for three years and I'm, I'm a redshirt junior. And now I'm finally, after sitting on the bench really for three years, now I'm finally getting a chance to play. I mean, it's more of an immediate impact to it. And then there's also like, Josh, what's his name? Carter Stewart, where it's okay. I didn't like what I was getting offered in the draft. So, you know what, I'm going to come to a Juco where I can play for one year and then immediately get drafted again. Whereas if he went to say Florida or wherever he was committed, he would have had to stay there for three years, fulfill that commitment before he could get drafted again. So there's that aspect too, where it's like, I want to go to the next level, but maybe I'm not ready or I didn't get the offer I wanted. And you know what? I'm going to commit, de-sign or whatever, go to JUCO, play for a year and see where my options are at. And if there's no options, either I stay here another year or I transfer to a division one, division two university, whatever you're going to go. Right. So essentially Carter's tour took his 3,600 RPM curveball elsewhere. So uh, just getting into what you're going to be doing for the Collegiate Baseball Scouting Network. Uh, Noah, can you just talk about what our partnership is going to be like? And even just mention, I know you have a podcast. Uh, here's your moment. Plug what you do. 
So basically, I mean, what I do is it started with not as much on the scouting side as it's become. What I've gotten more and more into that this past year. But I, I mean, there's a national ranking for division. It originally started with Division One in Texas because those were the ones that I knew. But I've, it's been a lot of thinking. But I'm adding Division Three, Two, and Three to it because those divisions are just as competitive as the Division One junior college level, which a lot of people don't know. I mean, there's also a California league out here, and in Northwest League up in I think it's like Washington and Oregon. But I don't. I'm not branching into those just yet. Like I know some of the stuff, but that's a whole nother world. But then there's that. And then I'll, I'll do a, try to do a team of the week. Whoever I thought, you know, had the best week and do a little stuff on them. And then in there, there's player of the week. And then usually I like to have a series of the week too. Like I'll do a Twitter poll and okay, these are the three games that I think are going to be good. You guys have 48 hours to decide who it is. And then like, you know, then I go from there and, and then, I mean, there was All-American stuff at the end of the year, awards. Uh, I'm in talks with a few things about doing a bit bigger player of the year thing, but those haven't been finalized yet. But then, I mean, within probably the past four or five months, some of the coaches that I've talked to and I bounce ideas off of, they, like, mentioned the idea of adding a podcast. And I was like, huh, you know, I might as well, like, if I figured out how to run a website, like, no one gave me permission to do it, so I might as well just do it and figure it out because that's what this, I've literally just kind of jumped in and I'm like a kid in the candy store. But, I mean, the podcast itself, I mean, yes, there's going to be, like, kind of a recap of everything, I guess. Like, when once the season starts, it's, you know, I'll, have, I'll talk a little bit about the rankings, who I think prospects are that are doing real good. But then when it comes to the interview side of it, like, there's so many – interesting stories like Carter Stewart his story is a really interesting story if you would get down to it like I'm sure there's a lot more that went on to it than what oh I just didn't like what I was offered you know maybe there was something else going on I know one of my first guests I had on was a he served three active duties in Afghanistan being a frontline mortician or the mortar guys and like you don't get I mean you might get that at any other level but it's like you just, you know, served six or three terms and was like, you know what, I want to try to play baseball again. Like I've always wanted to. And now he's committed to Southeastern, the number one NAI school in the country. And so there's stories like that. There's, I mean, I've had different people from all over the place come on that have had a junior college like experience, whether it be football or baseball or basketball or softball, like everyone, you'll, you might know this, but like if you talk to anyone that went to a junior college and played junior college sports, there's a weird, like, family, like, understanding between the two. Like, I know that you played, like, one of my best friends was a punter, was an All-American punter at one. And, like, even though I was the baseball side, he was the football side, a lot of our experiences were the same because we were in similar situations. And so when it comes to the, the guests, like, yes, I'll do the baseball talk. If there's a coach or a player, you know, I'll do that. But it's, like, just – anything that's junior college related, just trying to get stories out is more like the guest side of it. So it's like, yes, there's this, the normal prospects, the rankings on that, but then it's like more of just like having a fun conversation and getting people's stories out with it. Because it, I feel like it's a very, despite that the prospects and stuff don't always get looked at, like the storylines that are there aren't also not as like publicized as what one might think. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So wait, what's the name of this podcast? 
It is, uh, it's short and simple. It is the JucoPod. You know, when I was coming up with the names of these a year ago, the Juco Baseball Blog, short, simple, it's what you're getting. The Juco it's a Juco podcast. I mean, it's I love not it. like I put much thought into the name. It's no. exactly what it is. It's all, it's all about the content. There we yeah. go. The, the name just has to be short and catchy, kind of like pitching to contact. Well, anyways. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyways. That does us for this podcast. Uh, special thank you to Noah Sharp for coming on board. Um, from Pete and I, this has been Pitching to Contact. Until next week.